This evening, during our time of Lectio Divina, we're going to be entering very deeply into the, one of the most profound portions of the sacred scriptures, chapter 15 of the Gospel of John, the gospel which is rightly symbolized by the eagle flying into glory. And that I think we certainly sense when we get into this portion of the Gospel of John. The first part of the gospel, up to around chapter 11 and 12 up there, speaks of the glory of the Lord being shown in various signs. Chapter 13, we have the Last Supper and the washing of the feet. Chapter 14 to 17 is a section, so 14, 15, 16, 74 whole chapters that are set aside as the meditation, the conversation, the intimate relationship between Jesus and his disciples. Whereas in the first part of the gospel, the Lord is meeting all kinds of people and proclaiming his light and his message and life to the world in general, he withdraws now for four whole chapters to be with his disciples. This is much more significant than let's say in the uh, synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, where our Lord from time to time goes into the house with them and back out again, just dips in and out from time to time. But here we have a very large section of the uh, Gospel of John, which is dedicated to this intimate union of the Lord with his disciples. And once that's over, then we're into the reality of chapter 18 and 19, the crucifixion, the passion, the death of the Lord, then 20, we have the resurrection, the gospel comes to an end, and then the gospel starts up again and comes to an end again in chapter 21, an additional section added in. So the passage this evening is chapter 15, where our Lord speaks of himself as the vine. I am the vine, the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Remember that throughout the gospel of John, our Lord identifies himself I am the good shepherd. I am the bread of life. Here, I am the vine. And that leads us into a profound reflection upon the nature of who we are as his community of disciples. We're not an organization. We're not simply a community in a political sense. We are joined to Christ as the branches to the vine. It is an intimate and profound relationship, somewhat similar to another image which St. Paul uses, which is that of the body of Christ. And so he goes very, very deep. And here we see in this chapter 15, the beloved disciple who heard the Lord speak these, this, these themes and these ideas and this message, meditated on it for, oh, I don't know, 40 or 50 years under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And then it came together here in the Gospel of John. So it is profound, difficult, because it's going very slow and deep, rather than just a whole series of easy to see parables or actions or miracles. And so we need to reflect it upon it very slowly and carefully. And so let us begin our time of Lexio Divina. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. 
Amen. Let us still within our hearts all of those noisy distractions that so occupy us, that prevent us from hearing one another and hearing God. And especially as we enter into this most profound portion of the Gospel of John. Let all such cares be set aside. We ask the Lord's forgiveness for our sins, each one rooted in ego, each one a barrier and a rock, a boulder on the pathway to our hearts. May the Lord enter into our hearts. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Teach me, O Lord, what these words say to my head that I may know you, to my heart that I may love you, to my hands that I may serve you. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that bears no fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already made clean by the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If a man does not abide in me, he is cast forth as a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. 
this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. This I command you to love one another. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all this they will do to you on my account, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sinned but now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would not have sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. It is to fulfill the word that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. But when the counselor comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness to me. And you also are witnesses because you have been with me from the beginning. I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that bears no fruit he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, that you may bear more fruit. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. This is not mechanical. This is organic. We are part of the Lord. We are joined to him intimately. We are the body of Christ. We are joined to the Lord as he is the vine and we are the branches. It is not a short-term thing. It is not broken up. It is not temporary. We are part of the great reality, which is the church. We are joined to the Lord. And my Father, the Heavenly Father, is the vine dresser. I know in this last many months when I've been preparing to give a series of talks to the priests of Vancouver on the Gospel of John, it's always been a difficult gospel in my own life to read because of this so complex, I am the vine, it's so complex. You need a good stiff cup of coffee, no decaf, reading this. I am the vine, you are the, what's he saying here now? 
This is deep stuff. But I found that it's just reading this aloud, begin to realize, oh my, this is amazing. And here in this passage here, he speaks of the Father sending him, loving him, and the Father and the Son sending the counselor, the advocate, the paraclete, the one who comes to be with us. And next, next month, we will be meditating upon Pentecost and the coming of the Holy Spirit. We're not alone. We're not little canoes adrift on the Atlantic, all separate, independent. He is the vine and we are the branches. We're intimately bound to him and the life flows from him. And we are called then to bear fruit, to show that we are part of that. And the Father is there. The Heavenly Father is the one who cares for the vine, cares for the Lord, cares for the Lord as us in this world. This is an image taken from the ancient words in the Old Testament. Look at chapter 5 of Isaiah, where we see Israel, God's people, as the vine that is growing. And of course, the vine is then, in the Old Testament, they say, is it fruitful or is it not? We are there. We are this life-giving reality, which is the community of God's disciples on earth. Every branch of mine that bears no fruit, he takes away. Well, there we are. We are in the season of Advent. Maybe it's appropriate to read this in Advent and Lent. There's an accountability here. We are part of the vine to bear fruit. And he says that later. If we keep his commandments, we are bearing fruit. It's no good having a vine that has no fruit. It's meant for that. It's not meant just to be there. It's meant to be fruitful. And so are we. Every branch of mine that bears no fruit, he takes away. And later on, he throws it off into the fire. Well, what about those who do bear fruit? We think, well, we'll just sit there. No. Get ready, you know. Just like it says in the Old Testament, if you, I think it's around chapter hmm, three-ish or so, I don't know whether three-ish is a good number, but somewhere around there, of Sirach. If you prepare to serve the Lord, get ready for testing. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And so it's not enough just to sort of sit there kind of complacent on the vine. Don't bother me, I'm bearing some fruit. No. He wants extravagant fruit. He wants, he wants like, just like in, in the wedding feast of Cana earlier in this gospel, is gallons and gallons and oceans of wine he wants, not just a little bit. He wants a lot. We're called to greatness. Magnifico. We're called to that. Not just competent, adequate Christian life. No, he wants more. He invites us to more. He certainly invites and hopes us at least to have that. If not, he cuts us off, but we need more. So let's just pray the Lord to help us. As we hear these words, may we be intimately linked to the Lord as the branches to the vine, part of him, bearing fruit abundantly. And to the degree that there's something in us that is not allowing that to happen, something that's sucking away the life from the vine, 
drawing away, let it be pruned that we may bear more fruit. The pruning may be painful. The knife that cuts the distempered part can cut to heal, to use a different image. And that's a penitential side of this. Let's meditate and reflect on that. I am the true vine, my father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that bears no fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. And what is the knife he uses to cut away those things which are inhibiting the fruitfulness. It is the word of God that cuts like a two-edged sword. You are already made clean by the word that I have spoken to you. And so we need to say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Let these words that he speaks to us this evening prune us so that we will be more fruitful. Not that he cuts away the branches just for the fun of it or just irrationally. He does it that we might be more fruitful. And then he goes deep, so deep. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Abide in me. It isn't a temporary commitment we make. It isn't something we do. Our faith in Christ is something we are. We dwell in the Lord and the Lord dwells in us. As it says at the beginning of this gospel, he pitched his tent in our midst. And early on the disciples, they say, you know, where do you live? Where are you? He says, come follow me, come and see. Come and see and live with me. Come and see and be with me. To be part of that reality, which is Christ among us. This is so much more than a, a kind of a consumer approach to our faith. We want to go to different stores and we want to get religious experience and see what's on the shelf. Is it this way or that way? Is it something pleasing to me? Does it give me help? Does it solve this problem or not? Let's evaluate the different stores and see which one provides the better product so that I can have the spiritual product which I need, which I want to be spiritual. Let's check out the different stores. That's not what this is about. It's not a kind of a consumer-oriented vision of what it means to be a Christian. We are to be in him as he is in us. This is deep, deep, deep. This is being in the Lord, nothing less than that. 
This is all consuming. Like the purifying fire. And it means that we are then, if we really are with him, then we will be fruitful in our love and they will know we are Christians by the love we show for one another. See how these Christians love one another. That's what should be said if we are looking at a healthy presence of the vine, which is Christ in this world. And yet so often, oh my, we scandalize the people who look upon the vine of Christ because so often we bear no fruit. Lord, help us to do so. If a man does not abide in me, he is cast forth as a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, how often we want to cook up our own religious experience. We just can't do that. What do we produce? Fruitlessness, ashes, as we say at the next penitential season. The branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If a man does not abide in me, he is cast forth as a branch and withers. The branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. Let's ask the Lord's mercy for the times we have been brittle, dry, and fruitless branches. Let the sap, the life, eternal life, flow through us flow through us because we are linked intimately to Christ so that we may from that find life and bear fruit in this world, which is so dry and cold, so often lifeless. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. That's how we show we are his disciples. If we're alive. That's why the first of the pillars of the pastoral plan of this archdiocese is vibrant parishes. Our communities, parish, family, individual, whatever they may be, that we might be alive with the Lord, close to the Lord and receiving life from him, distributing that life that we receive from Christ through the fruitfulness of our actions. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. So it is love that is the sap, the life-giving reality that flows through the vine. It makes us fruitful. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. This is Trinitarian. This goes deep beyond the existence of the world. For in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, 
And we who pray in the name of the Blessed Trinity, by the fruitfulness of our lives, lived in love for one another and for those around us, we are to live in the name of the Blessed Trinity. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. And what does that mean? Does it say, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Is it a warm and gooey emotion, perhaps? Something that comes and goes like the weather? Is it a happy spirit, a cheery disposition? What is it to abide in his love? No. There's a sharpness to it, an accountability, a reality, a realism in it. And we see this also in the first letter of John. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. If you keep my commandments, it's in the particulars of how we live. We don't live in the abstract. That's why it's a good thing when we're going to confession. I always think of the old roots and branches approach, which is sort of a different uh, side, but it's kind of connected maybe, I don't know, maybe to this. Though there are certain roots of our sinfulness when we are not abiding in God's love. Their names are pride, anger, envy, greed, laziness, lust, and gluttony. That's seven deadly sins, but there are other ways of looking at it. So there's a certain simplicity in the various forms of evil as there is a more profound simplicity in love. So if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. It's this deep root of good we need as we go wrong when we are rooted in evil, but it is shown in the twigs, not just in the roots, but the branches. Because we don't just love in the abstract, we love in the particular. And so we don't sin in the abstract either, we sin in the particular, not in the general. And so we might say in a confession, I have been suffering lately from a great ego and pride, let's say. But that pride has shown itself, that's the root. In particular ways I have broken the commandments of God by my harshness towards my neighbor or by doing this or doing that or my arrogance or way I've said words, specific words have come out. They're the branches, they're the breaking of the commandments, but they go back to a deeper reality. And so too, when we do good, when we're fruitful, we're not just sort of keep warm and well-fed, have a nice day. That kind of thing is, is not right. Nor is the busyness of just doing good. The two must be linked, the roots and the branches, the vine and the branches. We have particular actions. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. The two must be intimately linked like concave and convex. The depth, the abiding, the living, being part of Christ, and then that being shown in particular ways by keeping his commandments. And these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you 
and that your joy may be full. And there is, there's no other way to joy. That's why, you know, in, it's in Advent and Lent that we have Joy Sunday. Letari Gaudete. It is joy, not happiness, which comes and goes like the weather, depending on how we're feeling, but the deep inner joy. It comes from abiding in Christ that he says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. It's that deep inner peace that St. Augustine spoke about when he said, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, that our hearts are restless until they rest in you, till they abide in you, till we are branches of the vine, permanently, deeply, fruitfully, keeping the commandments. And then, doing that, we will discover that we are filled with the joy of the Lord. We seek joy, we'll never find it. It's like a pot of gold at the end of a rainbow. Seek happiness in vain. Busy, busy, till there's no more time. But if we abide in Christ, it comes unannounced and it always comes through the back door. And this is what it means. This is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. It's not a kind of generic love. This is my commandment. Love God and love neighbor, as he says in the first letter of John, how can you love the God you do not see if you do not love the neighbor you do see? This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you, with that generous, self-sacrificing love. And he gives an example of what that means. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. We cling and we sink, we give and we lift up. We can be so self-centered, and that's not the heart of any kind of friendship. You know, I have several friends I haven't used fully enough. No, that's not it. Friendship of all kinds, in ancient times there are many deep meditations on friendship. It has to be a delight in the friend which gives joy to the heart, but it also has to be a caring for the other, caring for the friend. Greater love than this no man hath, that he lay down his life for his friend. And in giving, he receives. In the generosity of moving outward, he is like, the son of God, who did not cling to his equality with God, but emptied himself and came into this world, even to death on a cross. That's what it looks like. Friendship and love. We are to love, not as we want to or think it's done, but as he has loved us. In the washing of the dirty feet, as we saw last month, even the feet of Judas, That kind of love is what he's talking about. That you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, 
that a man lay down his life for his friends. So let's think about that. Let's pray the Lord to give us a depth of love for God and for one another that is generous, like the love of Jesus, not self-serving and dead and sterile, fruitless, but risky, generous, vulnerable, sacrificial, practical, as he has loved us. You are my friends. If you do what I command you. This is not exactly unconditional love. We always hear that's the best kind. I don't know why it is, but supposedly it is. But no, he says, you are my friends if you do what I command you, which is to love one another as I have loved you. There is an accountability, a realism in this. There's nothing gooey about Christianity, nothing vague, nothing fog-like. It's sharp as a laser, the light of Christ. It cuts through steel, cuts through the hardest heart. It's not the kind of vapid banality that is a substitute for Christian faith, like meringue full of air and sugar, sometimes sold falsely under the name of Christianity. No, no. The symbol we carry in our processions is not a happy face. It is the cross of Jesus Christ. This is the real thing. It's realistic, it's deep. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. This I command you to love one another. You did not choose me. I chose you. Think, you know, in the, in the ancient times, and even to this day, students go off and choose a teacher. That's what people do when they're trying to do a doctorate. They choose a teacher, and the teacher may or may not accept them. And that was done in ancient times as well. We seek a teacher. But Jesus said, you, come, follow me. He sought them out, and he also said that even to Judas, sad to say, offering him the glory that was to have been his vocation. And he chooses you and me, not because we're worthy of it, not because we have some qualities. He chooses all he invites. Be my disciple. He doesn't say, though, be a kind of superficial disciple. 
This is the real thing, being a Christian in this world. It's, it's not shallow. What's the point if we are simply dipping our toe into our Christian faith? He's not talking about that. This is just before he's crucified. He gets together with the 12 apostles, with those around, and he lets them have it. He lets them, okay, everyone, I'm about to be nailed to a cross and I will rise in glory, but this is what I want you to know. And he says that to us as well. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. And this I command you, to love one another. Again and again, he speaks of accountability and responsibility. It's sort of like in the Gospel of Matthew, where he speaks of the, you know, the talents, and he says to the servant, the Lord, the master says, here are the talents, be fruitful. And what does fruitful look like? The next chapter he says, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me to drink. I was in prison and you visited me. That's what fruitful looks like. That's what keeping the commandments looks like. It's not obscure, it's not vague. It's real and particular, but rooted in that deep love. This I command you to love one another. And if we do that, what's gonna happen? Well, we're gonna experience what he experienced. If we're not experiencing that, it's a disturbing sign that maybe we're going along to get along. Many of our brothers and sisters in Christ are being literally crucified in the Middle East. I think I spoke once of seeing the head of a young man with a crucifix in his mouth. You know why he died. It's no mystery. And many people who have suffered that way are here in this area. We had Red Wednesday just uh, about a week or two ago where the altar was bathed in red light and we're gonna do it every year only for the whole church next year. It's a sign of the blood of martyrs is the seed of the church. What we get here is nothing like that, but we do get it here. There's a book by Mary Eberstadt called It's Dangerous to Believe. And that's true, you get, we don't get, you know, people don't get crucified or beheaded or shot as many of our brothers and sisters, but they do get edged out of society. It's a subtle suppression, not a persecution, but a suppression. Try to proclaim Christian faith in a lot of environments and you will be slapped with, first of all, a kind of a sloganish title. And secondly, there are people who end up losing their jobs, squeezed out. It's very difficult to get into some professions these days to work your way through without keeping your head down and don't let them know what you believe. And I don't think I will mention those professions at this point. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you are of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you.
we're here to evangelize the world, not to be evangelized by the world. We're not to be colonized by the secular values that are cold and fruitless and dry, like a branch that is no longer attached to the vine. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all this they will do to you on my account because they do not know him who sent me, the heavenly father. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would not have sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. It is to fulfill the word that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. But when the counselor comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness to me. This is the paraclete, the advocate, the counselor, the Holy Spirit. In this world into which he came and his own did not receive him, and the light came in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it, into this world which will hate the disciples of Christ if they are faithful, it is, and don't simply hide away, become chameleons. In that world, we're not alone. The spirit of truth, the counselor, the advocate is with us all the way. Who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness to me. It is the witness of the Holy Spirit, which we see in a different way in the Acts of the Apostles, in the Gospel of Luke and Luke's Acts of the Apostles. But John speaks of it in this way. And you also are witnesses because you have been with me from the beginning. And in another book of the tradition of St. John, although written in a somewhat different connection, the Apocalypse, the word for witness is the word martyr, to be a witness, to be a witness to Christ. The Holy Spirit is the witness of the Heavenly Father and of the Son, the counselor to be with the disciples. But the disciples are meant to be witnesses. This is where the bit drills into the rock face. And that's our mission in this world, to be here, light in darkness, love in a cold world in which people are treated as things, not as persons, but we are to treat one another and all people as the persons of the Blessed Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, love and generous love, and show it how it's done on earth by coming amongst us in our Lord Jesus. That's how we are to live. And if we do, each one of us, not in a sham Christianity, thin, drooling, just sort of nothing much, but vibrant, connected, abiding in Christ, then this whole world will be transformed as our Lord calls us to be his instruments in doing.
I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that bears no fruit he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already made clean by the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If a man does not abide in me, he is cast forth as a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. This I command you, to love one another, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you are of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all this they will do to you on my account because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sinned. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would not have sinned. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. 
It is to fulfill the word that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. But when the counselor comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, even the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness to me. And you also are witnesses because you have been with me from the beginning. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen.